Okay, we're going to be record this next story. Now, this is part of a series of tributes, tributes to people, wonderful people that I've known during my life. And this is one from while we were at the Northcote Heavy Horse Centre. And this is a tribute to a gentleman called Ron Morley. Ron was one of those truly wonderful people that you come across only a few times in your life. He was a volunteer helper at the Northcote Heavy Horse Centre near Spilsby in Lincolnshire for many years and regularly came to the centre two or three times every week. Ron was retired and lived in Boston, about 20 miles south of Great Steeping, where the horse sanctuary is located. Ron never talked about his early life, so I suppose you could say he was a, a private person. I did have cause to visit him at his home in Boston once or twice, but he never encouraged long visits. We could see reason for all this later. Ron was a big fan of the Aldi store in Boston, and every week on a Thursday morning, he was first in the queue to buy the latest tool or gadget if it could be used by us at the horse centre and he would never accept payment for all his gifts that he made. I cannot remember exactly how many years he worked for us, but it must have been about five. Ron would not would have a go at anything. Uh, he was not too keen to actually get on a horse. I do remember one day we were tidying parts of the centre and had engaged the skip to carry away scrap metal. Scrap, scrap metal. One of the bits going in the bin was an old Ford Escort car and Ron steered it into the open end of the skip as we all pushed. Once in, he could not get the doors open to get out of the car. A scene of great amusement to all. Ron would admit that he was sometimes stubborn and had rather fixed ideas about things, but he had great common sense. I'm afraid that the greater part of this story is about Ron's illness, which was tragic from the beginning. I should mention here that the horse centre, just by nature of what it is, and because of the large resident animals who depend for their very existence on all the volunteer helpers, it creates an unusual, absorbing atmosphere. Despite the fact that I was frequently short-tempered and difficult to get on with due to the day-to-day -day worries, there was a general aura of well-being around those animals. It was an aura that was passed on to those helpers themselves. And through giving their time and talents, those volunteer helpers also benefited. Ron felt this very much and often found it difficult to go home. We, did, we later realised that his home life was not happy, and he had found comfort and great pleasure from working with and for those big animals. It was one particular day that seemed normal, but Ron was a little later to arrive than usual, and I was cutting firewood with an old diesel-powered circular saw that was very noisy, and Ron came over to help. 
He seemed a little unsteady and had to be unusually careful with where he was and exactly what he was doing. When we stopped, I noticed that his speech was a little slurred. I looked him over carefully without him noticing my extra attention and then asked Ron to come over and have a talk to Jeff, Tarina's husband, who was on site. Jeff is a very sensible sort of chap and taught good common sense. Afterwards, I got him to one side and asked him what he thought of Ron's condition. I told Jeff I thought Ron had had a stroke, as he had the classic signs of this with facial changes and unsteadiness. I asked Ron if he was feeling okay and had him sit while we had a hot drink. After studying for a while longer, I quizzed him again about how he was feeling. Ron was positively affronted. He stated categorically that he was fine, if a little slower than usual. He would not consider going back home and was most upset that we should even think he was unwell. After our drink, I took Ron over to the stable yard to look at another small job, but watched him like a hawk for any signs of change. Within a few minutes, he began to drool a little from one mouth corner, and I sent for Jeff immediately and told him we should get Ron to hospital without delay. In my estimate, he had definitely suffered a stroke. Ron was still protesting that he did not need hospital. He was quite obviously, he quite obviously knew something was not right, but he did not want to leave us. We were at that time well over 40 minutes from the nearest large hospital, and the ambulance station in the town of Spilsby had been closed, so the nearest ambulance was also over 40 minutes away. I decided to take Ron in our pickup truck to the hospital at Boston. At that time, he seemed stable and well capable of the journey. He'd stopped protesting at our concern by this time. Jeff was to follow behind me driving Ron's own car. We only managed to get to the junction with the main road to Spilsby at Holt and Holgate Bridge when Ron took a turn for the worse. I had a mobile phone and having stopped the truck went round to the passenger side to support Ron while telephoning for assistance. I was told that there was an off-duty paramedic living in Spilsby who would come straight away. Which he did, well within five minutes. He assessed Ron, gave him an injection to help him and called the air ambulance. This was with us within another ten minutes. This caused another situation, as the field right next to us, chosen for its landing ground, contained a wooden garage that promptly collapsed as the helicopter landed. Ron was off to hospital in Boston and in good hands. The next part of this story takes place at the Pilgrim Hospital. Somehow, I'd got hold of Ruth, and with Jeff also, we travelled to Boston to get Ron's wife and take her to the hospital. Ron's wife did not drive. Ron was checked over in the accident and emergency department, where it was confirmed that he had indeed had a stroke. He was conscious again by now, and a bit upset, and he could not remember the helicopter ride. 
The doctor explained to Ron's wife that he would have to stay in hospital for some time. And the only thing she could think of was that she would have to cancel her holiday. She did not show much feeling or concern for poor old Ron, and we began to realise why he had spent so many hours week after week with us and the animals. Eventually, after a few weeks, Ron did begin to recover slowly, but there were signs that his progress would continue only slowly. We were actually with Ron when his wife was told that he was well enough to go home, where she could look after him. She promptly said in front of us all, including Ron, that under no circumstances could she cope with him at home. Ron reacted badly to this statement by his wife and went downhill rapidly. Any progress he had made was reversed by her lack of any consideration for her husband. It was some time before he could then be moved, but he did go to a wonderful care home on the Sleaford Road in Boston. This was about half a mile from Ron's own home and within walking distance for his wife to visit. I created a Ron newsletter for him to let him know all about his animals and their day-to-day goings-on, but quite quickly Ron lost interest in his past life and was more concerned with where he was living now. Admittedly, he looked better cared for, and indeed he was surrounded by ladies all day. Whenever I visited him, he was always well-groomed and smart and happy. Everyone, staff and other residents, loved having Ron with them. He was involved in all the day-to-day activities, and he responded to this. The care he received was the very best. He eventually recovered much of his mobility and spent over five years at the care home. It really looked as if those were some of the happier years of his life. His wife continued to live in their bungalow alone and died before him. Ron died on the 6th of November 2012. He'd lived at the Elmwood House Boston nursing home. He Formerly he'd been living in, New- in Old Bolingbroke. He was 83 years old when he died. There's a death notice that appeared in the local newspaper at the time. Uh, But there we are. That's a little about all we knew of Ron Morley, uh, who to us was a wonderful colleague and helper and totally unselfish um, and a real gentleman. Now, that's the end of that little story. Uh, brought to you by Cracker Books, written and read by Keith Sanders. Now, there's a new ending to all our stories. Since Covid, we, we don't sell anything. Uh, all Cracker Books publications are free to download on the internet to any device you choose. And you can access them all through our new website. There are almost 200 audio stories. There's over 100 videos and there are nine complete books. You can see all the details on our website and its address is www.itsarumlife.com. The spelling is I-T-S-A-R-U-M-L-I-F-E dot com. There we are. I hope you enjoy that short story. Um, there's hours of entertaining listening and reading on uh, that website. Um, thank you for listening. <laughs>